All right. We may have more folks join us, but I want to be smart with our time here this morning. Uh, so grateful you're at Synergy. My name is Josh Williford. I have the privilege of serving our network as the Leader Development Director and uh, what's called the Network Secretary. So uh, basically what that means uh, in your world is that I oversee uh, ministerial credentialing and I also oversee um, uh, the educational ministries of the Ohio Ministry Network. And uh, those two, the two pieces are gonna be really important to you. Uh, my, my guess is in a room like this one, um, in this session that we're, I wanna make sure because we're recording this, that's called, I feel a call to ministry, what's next? Uh, now the call to ministry is kind of a unique thing. There are seats, a couple right here, we might have to squeeze together. So if we can just kind of make that happen, we're gonna have a, that's gonna be common today. We got a full house. We're literally using every chair and every table this church has today. And so you're gonna become friends today with people. Um, hopefully you put on deodorant this morning. Um, all that good stuff. So. Yeah, so um, uh, the call of God is kind of a unique thing. Uh, there may be folks in here that you're in that space of life where you're saying, um, I know that I'm called and I, I just, I, it maybe it happened a, a month ago, maybe it happened a year ago, and you're just kind of taking that next step, that best next step. Um, some of you may be like in that space of maybe, uh, maybe I'm called to ministry. How does that work out? I'm going to close this door here so that we don't have the hallway noise. What I have found um, my, uh, is that the call of God works a couple of different ways. And so we, we have to ask, answer the question, what is the call of God? We're going to spend a decent amount of time in that today. Um, because if we're going to ask what's next, we've got to understand what that call is. right? So we have to have a, a box for that before we move into strategies, before we move into processes. That's actually the easy part. We want to talk about the stuff that God's doing in your heart and how God may be working in your life. And the, and the call of God happens a couple of different ways. Before we can even talk about that, we got to kind of zoom out. And what, what is the call of God? So we have this sense of the, the general call of God. Um, so what does that mean? That, that would be like a, a, a call to ministry that every single believer has. I'm going to give you a, an easy quiz. Every believer is called to ministry. Yes or yes, <laughs> right? Um, I'm not going to even give you an option here um, for the wrong answer. Every believer, every Christian has in their heart and in their life, thank you, Mary, uh, in their heart and in their life, a call to do the work of the Lord. How do I know that? Well, real quick, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says that we are what? God's masterpiece. I just like step back into that one. That we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's designed for us to do. Right, so every single person, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God's got locked up inside of you something powerful that he's called you to do. And that general call to ministry can get kind of confusing because we believe, I believe, that every single believer is called to minister in the capacity and the area of life that they're in. 
And so I pastored a church for 10 years, and I, I just had the belief. I just lived in the belief that God was calling everyone to what he had designed for them to do. So that guy that was in my church who was a carpenter, God had made him for that. That, that person who was a teacher, God had made Lena, come on, man. Jiminy Pete. I'm on a roll, man. I could, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Lena. So God had made that teacher. God had made that cosmetologist. God had made that banker to do that and use that as a sphere of influence to execute his strategies and plans for their life. So, so how is it then that we then say that I'm called to ministry? What are we saying there? And so when we talk about a, I'm going to use a word here today. It's my shorthand that's going to help us know the difference between this and this. The vocational call to ministry. And when I, when I use that term, here's what I'm saying. Is that vocational call to ministry is that thing down inside of us that says, hey, I think I want to lead in the church. That I think I might have a call to preach and lead a church. I think I might have a call to kids ministry or youth ministry. And, and it, not, not so much as, as a support to that, but as a person who's really spearheading those efforts. I think I might be called to be an evangelist. To go around and preach the good news of Jesus Christ and lead the church into the evangelistic efforts that God's called them to. I think I might feel called to be a missionary and take the gospel to places where it yet hasn't gone. I think I might feel called to some kind of ministry service where, where it may not be paid. Now, don't hear vocational as paid because there are plenty of meaningful vocationally called places where you don't get a paycheck. Uh, for years, my, my wife and I were bivocational. That's a term you might hear sometimes, bivocational. That means that we were broke. Uh, that's what that <laughs> meant. Um, uh, and uh, we, we did a job to support our ministry habit, right? Um, that's what we did. So we, when people would ask me, uh, what do you do for a living, though? I would say, I'm a pastor. Did I make a living being a pastor? No, I did not. Um, but what was I? Well, I wasn't the guy who worked at the landscape company. That wasn't what I was. I wasn't the, the web designer. That's not what I was. I was a pastor because that's my vocation. That's my, my deep down wiring that God made me to be. And so what we're talking about here in this session today is this thing. Now, how do you get to that? If the Bible tells us this, how do you get to that? So um, there's a sociologist. I, um, come on. Come on. Come on. No, 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 no. Where we got you. I'm glad you made it. Yeah, no quiz. So there's no, no. I'll do that. On, I do that on Thursdays when I teach in college, but I, I no quiz today. Um, there are, uh, I did some research as a part of my dissertation on the call of God. Go ahead and come on in. Um, I did some research as part of my dissertation on the call of God. And the call of God is kind of a, a unique thing. It comes upon us a couple of different ways. As a sociologist who actually interviewed hundreds of Pentecostal pastors and asked them, how, what was it like when you felt a call to ministry? What, what happened for you? And they described two different scenarios. One of those was what he called a blitzkrieg call. If you know anything about World War II, this is kind of the surprise attack and shock and awe. You know, that's the, the George W. Bush term for it, right? The shock and awe call of God. That mo this is the one that we often think about. Maybe this happened for you where it was like, oh my goodness, I was at an altar 
and God met me there. Like he shook me. I was going this way, and now I'm going this way. Uh, maybe you have had that kind of call. Maybe it was in a prayer time, or it was in a, a missions trip, or, or any number of circumstances where, where God just stepped into your world, and he reordered your life in that moment. Now, some of you are nodding your head because that was your thing. That was how God got a hold of your heart. But isn't it amazing, as I've looked at the scriptures as it relates to the call of God, isn't it amazing how even that calling, the first response almost always, and I've studied this a lot, almost always is, are you sure? New phone, who this? You know, like, uh, like that, that's the, that's, that, that is the most common reality. No matter how dramatic it may seem, no matter how much we read it and go, how could you have possibly missed this? This does not guarantee that someone shifts the gears into that vocational call to ministry. It's amazing how often this is that moment. In fact, you find this with Moses, you find this with Gideon, you find this even with, to some degree, with Paul, right? You find this with all the disciples. All of them are like, I mean, you see that call that Peter does in Luke chapter 5, and he's like, oh, my goodness, I am not fit to even be here. I'm a sinner. What are you doing, Jesus? Right? That the first response often to this call is, you have got the wrong number. I am not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not connected enough, I'm not, we give the list, right? Then we have this one. Um, C.S. Lewis used to uh, describe these kinds of moments like uh, riding in a train, going from, um, from France to Germany. And he says, for some people, they're awake when they're on the train. And so they know the point, they can see the sign. I went from France Germany. I saw the sign. I just crossed the border. Some people, however, were a little bit of asleep on the train. <laughs> so they, they were in France at one moment. They fell asleep and they woke up and they just realized they were in Germany. This is that process calling. That process calling where it's not so much, you know, the clouds parting and angels singing and all the things that kind of happen with this call. This call is slower. It takes time. And what God does in this particular call is he takes you along these plot points, these little landmarks, and kind of gives you a piece of the puzzle uh, as you go. And before long, you realize there's a picture there. I, I talk to a lot of people in the credentialing process where this is their journey, um, where they go, I didn't really plan on going into ministry. I, it wasn't like I had a dad who was a preacher or just had like this deep, but it just, it just made sense after a while. No matter how you got there, that's okay. Because sometimes um, when we have this moment, what's next? The what's, what do we do with this call to ministry thing? Especially if you're here, you tend to, to think, you have, the doubt that you create is, I didn't have this here. That you think, boy, if I just had that moment like that person did, but they're over here doubting themselves too. <laughs> so the common thread of the call of God is some level a little bit of doubt don't think for a moment that doesn't come upon you because you have some lack of faith really that doubt is a good thing here's why it's an initial acknowledgement that uh, you don't have what it takes to accomplish that dramatic call that God has placed on your heart yes or yes 
every single one of us, every single one of us should have that moment where we go, I don't have what it takes. But you need to be reminded today that God has called you. And I haven't found a situation yet where God makes a mistake. God has called you. God has called you. So, we're going to understand the call a little bit further here. We're going to take another step. There are a couple of things that make up the call of God. In case you're wondering, these PowerPoint, these, this PowerPoint is on a PDF in the SCED app, so you can download this later if you want it. There are three big, big, um, what I call big rocks that would be kind of in, how do I know if I'm called? Like, how do I know that God is stirring me from this place and taking me to this place? One of those is the inner witness of the Spirit. God's Spirit will step into your life, and one of the things you need to know, and you need to hear from me today, and I'm going to a little preachy for a moment, okay? Because this is, this is so important. This inner, the, the, the call of God is not initiated by you. It's not initiated by your mom or your dad or your pastor or your friend. The call of God is initiated by the Holy Spirit. The call in the assemblies of God, you walk through the credentialing process with us, I am going to be the first one to stand up and say the assemblies of God did not call you into ministry. All we do is go, yep, I see it, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? That inner witness of the Spirit is that moment when God is speaking to you, whether it's over time or in moments, significant moments, God is speaking to you, and you're going to need that moment. Let me tell you right now, and I see some of my friends right now who've been in ministry for a long time that I've known for, golly, Chris, I don't know how long we've known each other, 20 years. Um, so that's really scary now. Um, <laughs> made me feel uh, a little yucky. Um, so listen, you're going to need this. You're going to need this because I, I don't want to deflate your balloon. Ministry can be really hard. My greatest points of discouragement, my, my greatest wounds in life have come in church. That doesn't mean the church is bad. Don't get it twisted here this morning. Don't like, uh, you know, unfurl your faith because church has hurt you. People have hurt you, right? Like that's, that's what's hurt you. It just happened to happen in church. Churches, ministry can be really challenging. And there are going to be moments when this inner witness of the Spirit to know that Jesus Christ has called you. You can take yourself back to the places and the altars. There's a reason why the Bible says, build the altars. There's a reason why it says that, because sometimes you need to go back there to remind yourself that God has been faithful and He has called you. And so this right here is so very important. It also represents something really powerful. Like I said, I have done a decent amount of study on this um, academically. And what you see almost every time that God calls someone into a place of service toward his purpose, toward his people, what he also does is he equips that person for the task. Now, that call is not simply a manifestation of, of the purpose of your life. It's also a representation of the power that God is going to bring to the table through you to do that work. It's not just your purpose. It's also the power of the Spirit. Now, you heard me say just a moment ago that nobody or no organization 
calls you into ministry. You heard me say that, right? You also need to hear me say this. The call of God always accompanies the external affirmation of the body. This is really important. You see this actually uh, really well manifested in 2 Timothy chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, his protege, his, his guy, hey, fan into flame, doesn't he? He says, fan into flame, that thing that has been deposited in you through what? The laying on of hands. Where elders in the church saw something in Timothy and they said, we see it too. So uh, sometimes in the credentialing process, I'll get that person when I say, hey, I'll maybe provide some helpful and kind, I promise, pushback. Say, hey, why don't you grow in this area? Or why don't you do this thing? Or maybe maybe get a little more time that we need to invest here or whatever it may be. Inevitably, someone will come along, not often, but often enough. Well, I'm not called by any person. I'm not called. Usually it says like, sounds like this. I'm not called by man. Um, right? So I don't need this. Now, that's pridefulness. Because in the body of Christ, we submit one to another. And so if the Holy Spirit can provide that inner witness for you for your call, guess what he can also do? He can place that inner witness in the leaders that are around you. And that external affirmation is also really important. It's really important. Because that's essentially what our credentialing process does. We do this step right here. Well, we look at you, and we're, the very most important thing that you'll ever hear in the credentialing process is we're going to ask you a question. Hey, tell us about your calling experience. Because we want to see that take place. Because we want to differentiate between what is that general call and what's that vocational call to ministry. And so that becomes very important. But it's also important for you. Because remember, I said, again, I don't want to like, we just started the day, and I don't want to make you feel discouraged. But ministry's hard. So sometimes... You forget this. And you go, maybe, maybe I miss God. Maybe I was just excited. Maybe it was just like something I ate. Right? <laughs> and then come along people who go, these are the most, if you've ever been around me long enough, you'll know this. These are the most four powerful four letters in the English language I see in you. I see it in you. And there will be people. I'm telling you. I, I get emotional with this because I got faces in my head of people who stepped in at the right moment when I was getting ready to cash it in. I was getting ready to say, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I remember so specifically a moment in my journey where we were in between ministry positions and we'd gotten kind of smashed against the rocks in this one. And I, I, all, the, all the, the jobs that I was interviewing for, I, I, I interviewed 12 times in one year and got told no 12 times. At some point, you start asking this, the question, is it me? And I remember a leader stepping into my life and saying, Josh, don't listen to that. I was there when you started talking about this call. Don't give. You need this in your life. And this is what we do in the Assemblies of God, where we have the spirit-filled elders of the church saying, yes, we see the call of God in you, right? So inner witness of the spirit, external affirmation of the body. And this is a big one. The call of God always comes with a dramatic reorientation of your priorities. 
I will say to you this in as strong a terms as I know how to say. If you come to me with this and we get to here, but you're not willing to go where God tells you to go and do what God tells you to do, then you're not called to ministry. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying you're not going to wrestle. But I'm saying that if you look at the call of God in Scripture, it comes with a dramatic reorientation of their priorities. You look at the call of God in Moses. That dude is out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of the desert, herding sheep. And a bush speaks to him. We forget how crazy these stories are. Like, if that happened today, if someone came into my office, a student came into my office today and said, hey, a bush spoke to me, I'd be ordering a drug test, right? <laughs> like, that's what we would be doing next, right? Right? <laughs> Dramatic reorientation. Because what does he do? He, he doubts that call. There's four different times where he pushes back against God and says, you got, I can't talk. I got that covered. But God, how will they know who sent me? Tell them I am sent me. God, but they're never going to know. Hey, pull your hand out. Put your hand back in. Toss your staff on the ground. Pick it back up. Right? He does all of this stuff. But you get down to the bottom of it. And here's what Moses says. This is where God gets really mad, by the way. I don't want to do it. And the Bible says that God's anger burned against Moses. Because at the end of the day, your shortcomings will never be a shortcoming to God. But what, will, what can be a hindrance to your future ministry is if you're not willing to do this. If you're not willing to do that, it can shortcut everything you've got going on. And so for you, as you count the cost of this calling, I'm not saying you have to have everything figured out. I'm not saying you have to have it all situated in your head. But you need to know that rooted down into this vocational call to ministry is this dramatic and terrifying prayer that says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, no matter the cost. I'll leave where I'm comfortable. I'll leave my family. I'll leave my friends. I'll go to the hard places. I'll go to obscurity. I'll suffer. But you've called me. It takes that. So, what does the call come with next? Let's talk about preparing for the call. Divine callings must lead to minist the ministry of preparation. Divine callings must lead. Not might lead, not I hope it gets there. Divine callings must lead to what uh, a, dean, a seminary dean and I was in Bible college called the ministry of preparation. What do I mean by that? In the Bible, the examples that you find are people like the Apostle Paul, um, where, where God calls him. We see that in him. And then God does this kind of radical thing with the Apostle Paul that we sometimes don't remember. Uh, we tend to think about the Apostle Paul gets knocked off of his donkey and then, you know, I'm, not bl I'm blind and then I'm not blind anymore. And then, you know, now he's preaching a little bit. And then all of a sudden he's the apostle that we all know and love. Right. Um, there's this kind of interesting little bitty thing that happens in Acts where God sends Paul to Arabia in obscurity. Some scholars think for up to 15 years where Jesus taught him. Which is kind of wild. <laughs> you see this over and over and over again 
where this ministry of preparation becomes so important. So one of the first next steps you're going to have as you explore your call is to think about what it means to get prepared for ministry. What it means to get prepared for ministry. Now, I know what I was like. I felt called to ministry. I think other people saw it when I was younger, but I really kind of leaned into it when I was late in my teen years. And I, I, I mean, I was in. There was nothing else that I wanted to do. I got to Bible college at Central Bible College, and I could not wait to get out because Jesus was coming back soon, and I was the best thing since the Apostle Paul. I knew how to preach. I'd been preaching. I knew how to read the Bible. I knew how to do all this stuff. So get me out of here because I don't need any of this stuff. I just got to do this because I got to get credentials. What I didn't know was what was being placed inside of me in this season of preparation, this ministry preparation season, would be the contents of my ministry for the rest of my life. Um, the, the thing that I would draw from, the thing that I would need to utilize, the, the things that I didn't know about, because I, I don't know if you know this, there's a lot um, when you get at the beginning of any journey, any new season in your life where you just don't know what you don't know. The, the challenging thing, and I've got a 13-year-old so your prayers are appreciated. Um, but um, what I've learned with my 13-year-old is that, um, that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, but he's extraordinarily confident in it. Right? It's, it's what I call undeserved confidence, uh, where he will say something that is utterly ignorant uh, with extreme confidence. Right? Um, Right? That, that can happen early, uh, and that will continue to happen unless you submit yourself to a season of preparation, to a season where you're not doing what you feel called to do totally, uh, but you're in a different kind of ministry because this will be the well that you draw from for the rest of your life. So those times when you get into classes you didn't know you need because you want to preach, but there is a counseling class. You think, well, I'm just going to be a preacher. I mean, uh, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, or you get that strategic ministry class, and you go, I don't know, I'm just going to be a worship leader. But you really don't realize the things that you need to do this well. Uh, practically speaking, there are a couple of different avenues uh, that you can explore ministry preparation in the Ohio Ministry Network. Uh, for a lot of you, um, because you are in that space of your life where you are a uh, uh, bona fide adult, Okay, and those that are younger, I don't mean that you're not adults, because a lot of you probably are. I, I work with college students. I call you probational adults, right? Um, so um, I, I'll get to you in a second. But those that are in that, that space of life where you have a career, you've got a family, you're, this call maybe has surprised you, uh, where you go, I didn't plan on this, um, being at this point in my life and kind of shifting gears. Um, we have for you um, something that may be good for you, good fit. Now, and really, education and preparation is all about fit, okay? So what are your goals? Where are you at right now? We want to help you with that. One of those things is the Ohio School of Ministry. The Ohio School of Ministry can be a tool for you that helps primarily those who are 30 and older um, kind of shift gears later in life uh, toward that ministry calling. Uh, so you can learn about that today. There's actually a booth. Uh, you're going to look for the big SE Ohio uh, sign, but you can also talk to people there about what we call OSAM, the Ohio School of Ministry, because that season of preparation can be done through these monthly courses, and we can kind of walk you through what that looks like. The second avenue that you might think about would be what we would call SE Ohio. SE Ohio is a accredited degree program, so maybe you are in that college age, uh, traditional college age, and you would go, you know what? 
uh, especially for that group, I feel called to ministry. Can I just encourage you? Take the time to do that. Because you're at a season in your life where you want to build the strong. If you're going to do this for the rest of your life and you're young, man, invest a lot into those early years. Um, invest a lot in those early years. Now, you may be a person here that says, now law school ministry thing sounds cool, but I would really like an accredited degree. Uh, maybe you already have a degree. Maybe you need to do some Greek degree completion. Or maybe you are in a safe space where you'd say, you know, I got a business degree, but I'd love a master's degree. Well, I got good news for you. We can provide all those things. And I, I didn't plan on this, but Mary Harmison, who is our academic director, can talk to you about SU Ohio. Uh, there, there are other options in the Assemblies of God. Um, we are, uh, from the beginning, have been people who trained ministers. That's been one of the things, that's actually one of the reasons why the Assemblies of God was formed. It's because we figured out, you know, over 100 years ago, that if we're going to do this thing called the Great Commission, we got to figure out how to train people, right? And they did it a lot of different ways. Uh, but one of the things they came up with was something called Global University. Global University is a really great tool for you to be able to take correspondence courses at your own pace. I think, have you been doing, Leonard, you've been doing global? I don't know, I'll put you on the spot. How, how's your experience been? So I love it just because it's super flexible. I am not Yeah, so correspondence, they have two different levels. One of those would be like global, which is like an accredited degree program, and they have Berean, which is similar to what like OSAM would be, which is it's not accredited, but it will satisfy the educational requirements of ministerial credentialing, okay? So if you have education questions, if you got those next step questions, we're happy to answer those because at this stage of the journey, you're going to have more questions than you have answers, and that's normal. That's normal. And so you just got to ask. Sometimes people get really like, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm bugging you with all these questions. That's literally what I, our team gets paid to do is answer your questions and get you on that track. That's, that's like why I get paid. Please don't take my job away from me. <laughs> um, and so um, that ministry of preparation is so very, very important. Uh, second thing in preparing for the call, uh, divine callings must lead to serving others. Okay. Um, I, I have uh, been a part of education for a long time. I've been a part of ministry for a long time. And uh, I've seen this syndrome take place where it's, I feel called to ministry. Um, and so now I can't set up chairs. <laughs> I hate to tell you, I have been at every level of ministry from the, from the local church now to the district. And you know what I have done? in every one of them. I, I, I'm never not going to get up set up chairs and tables. There's never going to be a time, right? <laughs> serving others is a predicate. If you don't like serving others, then please do not go into vocational ministry. Um, what can happen is, is you've got this calling in your heart and you want to preach, but often the pathway to preaching is learning how to serve people. Because if you get in the pulpit too soon and you don't know how to serve people, guess what? Preaching is just serving people a different way. Right. And so one of the most important things you're going to do right now, and, and it, it sort of lends into that season of preparation, is you're going to say yes as often as is healthy for your soul to every ministry avenue you have possible. OK, if they want you to. I remember being in Bible college and I did an internship. I still laugh about this. 
I did like an internship where they asked me to do kids ministry the whole summer. Listen. <laughs> I couldn't, you, you give me a hundred tries, gun to my head, I would never have picked that, right? Um, one of the most important things that I ever did in that season, because as a pastor, as a leader, kids ministry became an extraordinarily important value. Not only did it become a value, it was something I understood so that I knew that when I'm running long, when I'm preaching, that I'm torturing people in another room because they're having to wrangle children that are now becoming restless, right? Right? I'm learning how to serve others. You need to get into a place. If you're not plugged in and serving somewhere in your church, do not think that all of a sudden when you put the, put the pastor hat on that you'll just know how to. You've got to serve now. You've got to serve now. Don't wait for someday to start what God has called you to do today, right? Go call the missions. Maybe some missionaries in the house. I hope there are, right? You feel called to missions? Make friends who don't look like you. If you can't make friends with, uh, with immigrants in your community, how in the world do you think you're going to be able to live with another, in another culture? You have got to start making some friends with people who don't speak your language. Because I hate to tell you, that's what mission says. <laughs> right? If you feel called to youth ministry and you don't presently serve in youth ministry, <laughs> time to talk to the pastor about that. If you don't, aren't plugged in Kidman and you feel called to Kidman, it probably would be a good idea for you to work in Kidman because you may learn that's not your call. Um, <laughs> right? It'd be a, a real bummer to find out and pay some money and get a kids ministry degree and all that stuff and figure out you don't like kids. Um, <laughs> right? That'd be a real bummer, wouldn't it? Um, so that ministry of preparation also comes with uh, a, an avenue of serving others. And then um, got this one here. Um, divine callings must lead to coaching and mentoring. Hear me, people. Divine callings must lead to coaching and mentoring. Uh, if, if you're in a place right now, maybe you came into the room and you're just like, I'm not sure, still wrestling that out, that's okay. Um, maybe you're resolute. You just know and you just don't know how to start. doesn't matter how you walk through the door today. Really, now is the time to go to that trusted ministry leader in your life. Go to your pastor, go to that associate pastor, go to that youth pastor, that kids pastor, <laughs> worship pastor, whatever it may be. Let them know. If you're, you're not sure, bring them into the loop. At the worst thing that can happen is you get another person praying for you. Right? The worst thing that happens is you get another person praying for you. But what happens now in this journey is you need mentors. You need guides. You need people who are, um, are investing into your life. Because here's, um, here's what's in the backdrop of this. Uh, if you study leader development, how leaders actually develop, there are three areas that have to converge for them to become fully developed. One area is knowledge. So what are we talking about? Ministry of preparation, right? You need to have knowledge you don't have yet. Second area is experience. You need to be doing some things because you have to take that knowledge and put it somewhere, right? The third area is you need coaches and mentors in your life. You need people who have been down the road a little bit to help you figure out and sort out and, and even call out those things that are good in you that you don't see and those things that, that's a, that's a rough edge that needs to be 
sand it off because the reality is there's lots of those in this process. <laughs> and so we have to sand those edges off. And so you're going to want to, I mean, like tomorrow, don't wait. Like if this is the only action step you take, you feel called to ministry, go to your pastor tomorrow and say, hey, I got to talk to you. I feel called to ministry. I think I feel called to ministry. I'm just not sure. Can you help me sort it out? Like that will be so powerful for you. In fact, um, I want to point you to a resource because this resource is so, so cool. Um, this is called Explore the Call by Gene Roncone. Gene Roncone's a friend of mine. He's a superintendent in the Rocky Mountain District. He wrote a book that is designed for you to be able to walk through it with your mentor. So really short little chapters. There's probably, gosh, the, the chapters, might, there might be 30 chapters in the book, but the book is like real short, less than 150 pages, okay? Um, and it's designed to be kind of devotional. You read a couple of pages and there's some, some discussion. Um, this can help you sort out those things in your life. It's, it's very practical. Everything from kind of high level stuff like we talked about today, what is the call? How do we navigate those spiritual dynamics of it? Two, okay, what does education look like? What does um, serving in ministry actually look like? What are the highs and the lows, the hills and the valleys? What are all of those things? Um, this book is kind of intended to be sort of a supportive guide so that as you walk through this with a trusted mentor, they're able to like um, coach you through um, that experience. Does that all make sense? And so... Um, so that book is really helpful. And again, um, the PDF that I, of this PowerPoint is in the SCED app. And so if you, you know, didn't take the, the photo, uh, it's a fascinating thing now when you're, when you're a communicator. You feel like it's paparazzi. They're not actually taking photos of you. Um, they're just a screen, but it, 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 it's weird. But um, um, yeah, this Explore the Call book is kind of your next step. What's, what's next in your world? I, I want to provide you one more thing, and then we're going to field some questions here this morning. Um, the next step, uh, some of you have kind of already started this, um, the next step for you, so maybe you have, didn't know this existed. We have a whole team of people who want to help you with your next steps, primarily a little Scottish lady named Laura, okay? And I mean that. She, if you talk to her on the phone, you'll feel better about yourself, okay? Um, she'll call you uh, lad and chap and lass and all that good stuff. So, um, this email right here can get you to our credentialing team. Uh, our team literally gives our lives to helping you discover and walk in your calling. Uh, we will walk you through the credentialing process of the Assemblies of God. It is a vetting process. It is going to ask you to have some education. It's going to ask you to have some, um, uh, some, some uh, application. There's a background and credit check. There's interviews. There's all kinds of things. But really, it's all designed around how do we help you explore the call that God has placed on your life? How do we help you get to where you need to go in this family of ministers called the Assemblies of God? And so that's really what this is all about. Now, one of the next steps that she may lead you into, that if you haven't done this yet, um, uh, we can do this digitally. Uh, we actually have it on site today uh, as well in some of the breakout sessions it's called New Credentials Orientation. That um, is a a a I guess course or module that is pretty intensive just because it has all the details of the credentialing process. Uh, we wanted to add a session like this one because we knew people may not be at the point where they're ready for a new credentials orientation, but they just want to explore what God is doing in their heart. And that's why we initiated a session like this one today. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take the next few minutes to do some Q&A? What questions do you have? 
and then I'll let Lena answer them because she's smart. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, great. Well, um, if you, uh, it can be practical. It can be informal or formal. So let's talk about what that looks like. So for the informal side, you could use uh, the book that I just referenced, right? So that, that's more just like, hey, you, you want to grow as a leader. You want to walk in your calling. You've got a pastor. Hey, let's talk about what that looks like with your pastor. Just saying, hey, I feel this calling or I think I'm feeling this calling. That's more the informal kind. Now, as you move into whatever educational pathway you have uh, in front of you for credentialing, um, all of them come with some kind of internship experience. Okay, so that would be in the formal sense. That's regardless of what pathway you choose. So whether you're doing the global or Berean thing, like what Lena talked about, there's internships in that. Uh, and some of those things are about how you uh, have supervised uh, experiences, uh, everything from baptizing people uh, to um, leading a board meeting to putting a budget together because uh, I don't know if you know this ministry costs money which means if you have to have a budget okay uh, please say that you know that uh, um, so so some of those experiences are supervised by someone so there's informal which would be something more like this that says hey can you walk can we walk a journey together uh, you need mentors in your life now there's actually been research around this that say every church leader um, who, who did something meaningful for the Lord had five to seven different mentors or coaches in their discipleship journey to get them where they are. So you need not just one, you need lots of them. You need lots of different voices because each one will make a different contribution to your life. But um, some of that comes from just talking to your pastor, talking to those faithful people that are around you. And then the formal side, that'll be more programmed. You'll get a syllabus or some kind of guide that will help you through that, whether again, it's global, so OSAM has internships, SU Ohio, we'd call them practicums, but they're basically the same experience where you're going to get hands-on uh, supervised ministry. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, so supervised ministry, what I would say to that is that um, if I don't know what I don't know, um, I often will say it this way. Sometimes we have experience, right, because some people come to me and go, well, I've been in um, in the credentialing process, I've done ministry now for 15 years in my local church, 20 years in my local church, 30 years in my local church. But if the experience they had um, taught them unhelpful behaviors, it was not good experience, right? And so that supervision from someone who's been there and done that and has some, some ways of doing it. So I'll give you an example. I've done some of these internships with people and help coach people. Um, and one of the components of the certified level internship, which there are three levels in the Assemblies of God of Credentials, certified, licensed, ordained, certified, licensed, or certified uh, credential says, hey, um, baptize, be a part of baptizing someone, right? Um, and you'd think that's pretty simple, right? Because every one of us has dunked someone's head in the pool at some point uh, at a pool party, right? You'd think that's pretty simple, but you wouldn't get all the coaching uh, that you would need, like, for instance, um, you're going to want to tell the baptismal candidate to keep their feet planted and do a sit-up. You know why? I had one guy, one guy, Javante Douglas, one of my favorite teenagers when I was growing up, almost came to live with us for a little bit, but he uh, kicked his legs out, and he's a big, tall football player, and I almost drowned that dude that day because <laughs> he is flailing, and I can't get him. He's so tall. I can't get him back on his feet, but if he stays planted, all he does is this, and the water does all the work, <laughs> right? 
That's why you need supervised ministry. So you can have a pastor who's baptized lots of people to say, hey, you're going to want to put a hand behind their back, one hand right in front of their face so you can have the leverage you need to get them up. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you coach them into the baptism. You don't just want to drop them in the tank. You want to make sure that they're experiencing something along the way and making sure that it's a meaningful moment. So it's that coaching and supervision, not so much that you don't do the ministry, but you have someone to reflect on that with to learn from. Does that make sense? Uh, question, Josh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, lots of options in that. Um, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a broken record here. You can't overplay mentors in your life, right? But do you need peers? Right? Every leader needs people who are farther down the road than them. They need peers who are right alongside of them, and they honestly, every leader needs someone who's a little further behind. So it's always generations of leadership, and each one of those provides its own level of accountability, doesn't it? I mean, you have a mentor in your life, uh, pastor. Uh, trusted leader who's in your life and they're speaking into you and they have the capacity to say, see things in you that you might not be able to see and even your peers might not be able to see because they just have a little bit more experience so I often compare this to like one of the reasons why I got married was because uh, I need someone to tell me that I've got broccoli in my teeth right <laughs> and so um, that leader is in your life to say hey I see this in you I had a pastor do this in and he identified something to me. I, it always plagued my life. I just never had a, a label for it. And that was powerful for me. It was liberating for me when he said, yep, uh, if you don't deal with this, it's going to harpoon your ministry. That was helpful for me. But even that peer-to-peer -peer thing, you know, there's something powerful about having those trusted relationships that you run with. And when you get in those good relationships, you... Um, I'm a research guy, so, you know, I forgive me for saying research says that you tend to be the composite of the five closest relationships you have. Uh, so when when Paul says bad character corrupts good uh, or bad company corrupts good morals, he was on to something that says basically the relationships you have around you tend to shape how you operate. And so if you can put your closest relationships with some peers who are running the same pace you're running and in the same way you're running, it's le you're less likely to veer off, right? And then, realistically, find someone to mentor. There's some teenager out there, there's some student out there, some child, uh, some young man that needs you, right? And there's something powerful when you know that that person is looking to you as a model. Boy, that changes how I live. It just changes how I live. So all three of those core relationships tend to keep me rooted into what I need to be up to. Does that make sense? Other questions? Don't get quiet on me now. Yes, ma'am. I got you. Yeah. What should I do? Yeah, that's a great question. Those are all big questions because um, ministry is one of those things where it's all about walking through the doors that God has for you, right? And sometimes those doors feel like they are not in front of you. And so I had um, 
um, a mentor of mine say one time, just take the next right step, right? And so many times we think the next right step is this big step, and a lot of times it's just small steps. And so, you know, I would say, um, without knowing your church context and all the things uh, and all the resources that may be around you, I would say, okay, what happens in your church, right? So are there young adults, um, which is just a tough, I, I have the privilege, Mary and I have the, I mean, it is the best part of my life um, that I work with college students. And some days it's, I, I wouldn't say that, I'll say it right now, there are days I might say, I'm going to kill these kids uh, with my bare hands. Um, but um, find those places and spaces um, that you, it may be in your local church, it may be as simple as, you know, is there a college ministry or a young adults ministry that can you can step into and serve in? Uh, can you provide them a meal? Uh, they will they want to eat, um, and they don't eat well. They eat, eat like raccoons. Um, and so, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, ask your pastor. I mean, I can't I sound like a broken record, but the number of times that I had people who, who were for, for months wrestling with some kind of calling, and I was the last person uh, to be told. I'm like, oh, I could have been cheering you on at, at least, if not helping you sort out the next steps. And so talk to your pastor. Um, and there may be local college stuff uh, on some of those campuses. Obviously, as soon as God, we're passionate about Chi Alpha, but I, I think of one that Chi Alpha actually works with alongside of it, and uh, we, we're passionate about it too at SU Ohio. It's called International Friends. It's college students who happen to be immigrants, and they need friends. And many times you're leading people who are from unreached people groups to Jesus Christ. And uh, so there's all kinds of different valuable ministries that you can get plugged into in those things. I hope that answered your question. I don't know if that did. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sure. I can unpack that for you. In the Assemblies of God, there are three levels of credential, uh, certified, licensed, and ordained. Uh, the, there, are, there are really two differences between uh, each of those levels. One of those is education. So the certified level is the most accessible, or the lowest level of educational requirement. Um, then you move to license level. That levels up a little bit more in the education. And then we have what's called ordained, and that levels up even further in educational requirement. Um, the second big difference between those is um, we're an organization like any that has members, um, and each level has different voting rights when it comes to um, how we do business. Uh, we are what we call a voluntary cooperative fellowship. We're a grassroots fellowship, which means that we collectively make decisions. Uh, we vote our leaders in. We, uh, you know, we don't have kind of the top-down kind of approach where local church leaders don't have a voice into that process. We think that's a great way to do it. Uh, the certified level, you can participate in what we call our network conference, which is basically our Ohio statewide, and for, for church context, it'd be like the annual business meeting. Um, this is what we do. We do that in May. Um, certified ministers can vote in that, um, but they cannot hold an office, um, and they cannot vote at the general council, which is the national business meeting that happens every two years, which, quick plug, it's in Columbus this year. Um, happens every two years. It's in Columbus this year, and it's never coming back. Uh, we've been told because <laughs> the other place where it's at is Orlando. And I don't know if you know anything about Orlando and Columbus. They're like, they're all saying, what do you do for fun? I'm like, I don't know. Um, so go to the zoo. Uh, you know, like that's usually like the, the only thing I can say. Um, but um, 
that meeting would be a really good thing for everybody to see and participate in. It's really cool. But um, that license level allows you to vote at that, that um, network level, network conference, but it also permits you to vote at the national level, at the general council, but it doesn't allow you to hold an office. That ordained level lets you vote in everything, but you can now hold an office either at the local level, like what we'd use the word presbyter. You may have heard that word. We have those. And then nationally, we have leaders that require ordination. And so um, you, you can start at either the certified level, if you've attained that level of education, or the license level. So typically, you do the education both the certified and the license level, and you can start there. You're not permitted to start at the ordained level. So you, you have to get the license. There's actually a waiting period for two years between license and ordained. Uh, it's kind of a, a period where we, we kind of observe is the idea. Uh, so that ordination is a public recognition of proven ministry, where the license and a certified level are, hey, we acknowledge that you have a call of God on your life. So the difference between we see the call, ordination is we see the activity. We see the proven track record. Does that make sense? So hopefully I explained that um, well. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you know how many churches would love to hear those words? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why when we talked about it at the beginning, when I say a vocational call to ministry, I don't always mean that it's paid ministry. Now, I've, I've done both, right? So I've been full-time. I'm presently full-time in ministry, and there's lots of joys in that and a lot of good things that come out of that. And lot of progress there's a lot of there's good that happens there um but when i was bivocational there was really good stuff that came out of that i'm with you in that i think bivocational ministry for me opened my eyes to what it was like to to exist in a real world um where not everybody you know was a christian in my my workplace um right so it was helpful for me to, to to situate what it was like to live out in the real world and it made my sermons better it made me more you know, made me see a little more clearly. Um, both are good, and both are right, and both come at the leading of the Lord, right? Um, different seasons mean different things. I will say um, you have an advantage that if you feel that that not just being okay with, but feeling almost, you know, called to, that bivocational or co-vocational, sometimes the word they get used, space, man, that can be really, really powerful. Um, some of our most powerful um, ministry that takes place in Ohio are in churches where the pastor either by choice or by necessity needs to be uh, needs to hold down another employment um, and so there's definitely space for that ministry that's don't don't think for a moment that it's only hey I'm gonna stop doing this job and start doing this one um, what what ministry may mean what I will say is sometimes it means that I do need to relocate uh, so I don't want to like Again, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but it's a reality. Um, minister, ministry is one of those jobs that you kind of go to where the call is. 
Um, and so I have moved my family a few times. Um, uh, I am actually from the great state of Oklahoma. Um, go Cowboys. Uh, so, um, but I, my wife and I, my wife grew up in Kansas. We moved to Ohio because that's where God was leading us to. And we moved uh, to southern Ohio because that's where God was leading us to. Then we moved back to northern Ohio. So I always said I would never go back to northern Ohio um, because I'm from Oklahoma and snow is a threat to us. And so, um, but that snow belt really got on top of me. But I pastored in southeast of Cleveland for 10 years. Uh, and then we moved, you know, obviously moved here to Columbus to serve our, our network of churches. And so, um, so I'm not saying that it won't mean that there's another, you know, you have a bivocation or whatever it may be. But I think you have to get it in your brain that says, again, girl, where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do. God, whatever it is. Um, and if, if that means I can work somewhere and get to the work in the ministry of the church, man, great, great. So, okay, I got one minute. So I'm going to answer one more question. You got 60 seconds. Yeah. So good, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. And and the reality is, what you're hearing here, and I see it all over you. Can I just say that? Can I just use my words that I use? I see it in you. It's on you, right? It's on you, right now. You can see it all over you. God is at work in your life. And that calling to work with lost people is a vocational call. To, that, that is God's dream that he's placed in your life. And so he's going to open up doors to that. I want to pray for all of us here today because I see it all over your eyes. I can see it. Those moments when you're tearing up and those moments when you're shifting in your seats. God, can I be that person? God is calling you. God is calling you. And the only thing we bring to the table with that call is yes. That's all we bring. That's all we bring. It's that unqualified yes. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Dear Jesus, I pray right now for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon every single person in this room. That person who right now is allowing their discouragement or their insecurity or even the voice of the enemy to, to blow out the fire of that call. I pray right now by the power of the Spirit that you would fan into flame that call. Fan in that flame. They may not understand all the things that are ahead. They may not know all the turns that lay in front of them. But I know this, that the same God who calls is the same God who's going to carry them into that ministry to which you've called them in the future. So God, I pray that you'll put your hand upon them today. May they follow you, be obedient to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. We